Hello, and welcome in to episode seven of the Stomp the Bus podcast. My name is Mark Harris, and I'm here with Colton Dodson. And Colton, we are two weeks away from ASU's home opener against NAU. Season yeah. has come up on us quickly. Yes, it has, Mark. You said it. I'm looking forward to it. I actually just bought, um, I did a lot of extensive research. And by extensive, I mean spent about 20 minutes on a grid that compared all of the streaming platforms for uh, cable. And nice. one thing, unfortunately, the Pac-12 sort of has me uh, wrapped around their finger because they are, uh, they, don't want to make themselves widely available. So there was two platforms that I could choose from, uh, Sling and Fubo TV, which on Fubo I could wa- I can watch cricket, um, worldwide soccer, um, all of the great sports, which was a big selling point for me. But ultimately I went with Fubo. Uh, so I could watch the Pac-12 and – I don't know. I feel okay about it. Might cancel after a month, but we'll see. I already used my trial a few few months back, nice. so nice. my hands were tied. Uh, but Sling does not have local channels, so it's the cheapest, and it has the Pac-12 network, but no, it doesn't have, yeah. no NBC, none of that stuff. So uh, they lost me there. But um, yeah, I, I'll at least get to watch NAU. So right. that's good. It's all such a pain. It is all just such a pain, and. Whenever, eventually the Pac-12 network's going to be gone, whether ASU's in the Big 12 or staying in the Pac-12, but in the interim, it is around. And as for which streaming service I'll use for that, I think I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Uh, semi-legal Internet Stream. Well, so. see, the problem with those semi-legal Internet Streams, and I don't know if they're even semi-legal. I'm pretty sure they're, like, all the way illegal. For the purposes of this show, they're semi-legal. How's that? Okay, you're... They're decriminalized. Yeah, um, <laughs> you might hypothetically use those streams, but the problem with hypothetically using those streams is they just like you lose the you lose the signal every like five minutes, yeah. and then you're behind by like three minutes, and yeah, um, it's unfortunate because I dropped all the money on Fubo. I got like the middle package because it had like MLB, NBA, all those like nice channels right. that I like, but they don't have any of the Turner Broadcasting channels, so. I yeah. can guarantee Fubo will be canceled by the time March Madness rolls around, um, if not way sooner. But that is the, like, absolute cutoff um, because there's no TNT, none of that stuff. So even NBA season, you need TNT yeah. for NBA, but whatever. I it's, digress. It's annoying. It's annoying. Well, one thing that isn't annoying, see that segue there, is that the ASU – Quarterback competition has officially come to an end today with Herm Edwards announcing that Emory Jones has been named the starter. Not exactly uh, surprising news. And yeah, I think was there, was there ever a competition? There was technically a competition, but and I mean, I think it would look pretty bad on the staff to just like hand Emory Jones the job who had literally never been like he wasn't even here for spring practice. So I get why they had to have a competition, but. From every, anyone who's been at practice, uh, just reports, and I mean, pretty much since the day Emory Jones announced he was transferring to ASU, it was just pretty common sense that he was going to be the starter, and lo and behold, he's the starter. So I'm glad 
I'm glad that it's done. It's out of the way, and we don't have to deal with one of these hardo college football coaches. You know, waiting until the la- waiting until the first series of the first game to announce their starter, which I always think that is was, super annoying. But that was my favorite part about uh, Todd Graham. The year it was um, Brady White, Danny and, and, and Bar- Blake Barnett. Yeah. Yeah, or was it? No, Brady, Brady White was competing too, right? I think it was Brady White. Have, yeah, I think Barnett had already transferred. Um, but well, that that might have been a different year. Well, I think I don't know. I'm not even gonna get. But yeah, it's this. Yeah, yeah. One of my friends was on the team, and he was like telling me weeks and weeks before that they have known who their starter was for like months. Meaning and, it was Danny. Yeah, and uh. Todd Graham was just like I, I think he announced it the night of the first game and his thing or like his announcement of the starter was Manny ran out for the first yeah. drive of the first game. Yeah. Yes. He didn't tell, he didn't tell anybody. I, rem- I remember I was covering. Yeah, it was keeping it so close to the vest. And I I I kind of get it. But it, it's also just like, I don't know, like it's just annoying. And I'm glad I'm glad that they didn't drag this out any longer because now Emory Jones gets more and more snaps with the ones, more and more accustomed to the starting offensive line, to the most prominent receivers that he'll be thrown to and everything, and he'll more and more comfortable with it. And so, and I'm you know him transferring in, he it wasn't a like written in stone guarantee. Uh, that he was going to start, you know, it was like a 95% likelihood, but not 100%. And so I'm sure that he's happy that that's been put to bed. And now I guess the interesting thing is who's going to be the backup quarterback, whether it's Paul Tyson or Trenton Bourget, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens on that end. But um, Mark, you're, you're going to be on backup quarterback watch. Now that is your beat. Um, Someone's got to do it. You keep an eye on that and you let me know. I mean, in all seriousness, like if if Emory like Emory Jones runs around and he can get injured, you know, um, potentially, and the backup quarterback does matter. So especially for a team like this that doesn't have a lot of uh, wiggle room. Yeah, they can always they can always team. trade for someone. Yeah. Hit up the transfer portal again. Yeah. Mid season, bring in bring in someone mid season from yeah. the portal. Yeah. That'll happen eventually at an SEP school. It might. They'll yeah. they'll get a, a midseason transfer and uh it's gonna be precedent. They're not gonna know what to do. They're gonna say, Oh, yeah. I guess this is allowed. That's what's gonna happen. Two years is my prediction. Within yeah. two years. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. So Emory Jones is your official starter. Um it's good to see. And um, on the defensive end of the ball, uh, some not quite as good news as it was revealed on Monday that uh, senior defensive lineman Michael Matus uh, had a season-ending injury. He reportedly tore his ACL. And this is coming from House of Sparky. So just another – Michael Matus is not like a – how do I say that? He's not like a super game changer, you know, but it's he's yeah. still a productive, productive member of that defensive line, and that's just one more body of a defensive line that it should be pretty good, but 
hope, you know, and hopefully for him, he can come back strong. Um, who knows if he'll actually continue playing college football after this. He's a fifth year guy. So we'll see, but, uh, real quick, tough since, news. Since you mentioned house of Sparky, I think this would be a good time to let the people know that we're going to have a house of Sparky hall of famer on next week. So yes, former house of Sparky, uh, editor in chief and current Bet Rivers employee Connor Pelton will be joining the podcast for a uh, gambling preview of ASU in the Pac-12. Uh, yeah, so you know what's a fade. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And talking to Connor, you know, he's a good friend of mine. He's been pretty high on the Devils. I believe the phrase 8-4 uh, and four has been thrown about by him uh, this offseason. So. Yeah, he's more of an acquaintance to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm sure there will be uh, probably three fourths of this episode will be some form of Caddyshack reference, uh, knowing Connor. So just be prepared for that. Uh, but you know, it'll be good to get our first guest on the show. I think I think Connor's gonna uh, he's gonna do well on this show. I believe he, so. I he believe was born so. for the spotlight. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Watch for that uh, a week from today, and today being August 18th. So a week on August 25th, Connor Pelton will join the show. Yes, Marcus Wanders. I keep. I'm sorry. I keep looking out my window because there's like a hurricane outside right now, and I'm afraid there's like a tree is going to fly through. Me. Oh. So I I keep glancing over just so I can like dodge the branch when it. We got pretty, pretty smooth skies down here in Phoenix, so. Yeah, we're getting we're getting a cell right now. I'm no meteorologist, oh, but hopefully our power doesn't go out. Through. That'd be bad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to football news, real quick. Matus uh, last year. Um, I don't see his snaps last year. Um, but. He was a productive member of the defensive line, and it's going to be tough to lose him. Um, ASU freshman tight end Jacob Newell will also likely miss the season after an injury in practice. So, two, you know, luckily the injury news hasn't been too widespread on this team so far, uh, but you're losing Matus and you're losing Jacob Newell, freshman tight end. So, hopefully those guys recover well and um, guys step up and fill their spots. And then one more little piece of news that we got to get to. This isn't really ASU related, but uh Big 10 officially announced it's expand it's a uh, not expansive. Officially announced its television deal with Fox, CBS, NBC and I guess Peacock. Wait, this uh, one actually really does affect ASU, I think. I'm reading through this article. This Brett McMurphy article. Yeah. The escalator clause is like, it almost guarantees that the Big Ten is going to add more teams. And if those teams are Oregon, Washington, Stanford, or Cal, then ASU is directly affected. Right, I think right. Even reading that escalator clause, uh, which, I mean, the crux of college football is how much everybody gets paid. You think they're going to leave $3 billion on the table? Absolutely not. They are going to add teams to hit right. that escalator. Um, and if four of the five teams in their top five are Pac-12 teams, I think this is 
uh, very, very relevant for ASU. Right. Well, yeah, I was going to get – so the deal that they signed with those networks goes through July 1st of 2023 to June 30th of 2030. Seven years – and sources told the Action Network it's worth between seven and eight billion dollars, which is just absolutely insane. Over a billion dollars a year as it stands now. And Colton, you mentioned the escalator clause, which uh, Brett McMurphy from the Action Network reports could approach up to nearly ten billion dollars if Big Ten's membership increases. Um, quote: so, Even after even after adding the LA schools, the Big Ten is quote is not done expanding sources told action network. So right. That could very much affect ASU. If Oregon or Washington leaves, then PAC 12 is done. I do still think the biggest thing to, the biggest thing to happen is for if they can get Notre Dame to move. And if Notre Dame doesn't move, then I don't know. We still might be in the same place that we are right now, you know? So I I, I think, yeah, I think that escalator, Two to three billion dollar escalator clause, all but guarantees that they're they're going to add more teams. Like that's that's how I interpret that. There is nobody in college football who is going to leave that amount of money on the table. I guess I guess my thing is it it all depends on what Notre Dame does, and if Notre Dame doesn't, because I I think that Notre Dame might Notre Dame might be able to get that much like a really good chunk of money per year elsewhere. There's the uh, rumors of them with NBC doing a $75 million a year type thing, that might be enough to keep them from joining the Big Ten because Notre Dame wants to stay independent if that's like if they could have it their way, they would just stay independent. Well, they so, already have a deal with NBC, don't they? No, I know, but it would just be a, a larger deal. Mm. So, so $75 million, how much do you think? Because you have to understand Notre Dame has all the leverage in this situation, right? They yeah. could sign an independent media deal and stay with NBC or the Big Ten looks at a, the cash cow that is Notre Dame and offers them a chunk of however much it takes to sway them to join the Big Ten and trigger that escalator clause and give them a chunk of that two to three million dollar pot or billion rather yeah. billion dollar pot. I guess my thing is, is there a number that would make them? I think the only from what I've heard, just like. Again, I'm not a reporter. I just listen to a bunch of college football podcasts and people who cover Notre Dame. They have whatever. The thing that they would say is the only reason that Notre Dame would leave is if their access to the college football playoff gets screwed up and the SEC and the Big Ten get too big. Because Notre Dame is going to make – and also, like, if you're Notre Dame, like, let's say you can make $90 million per year with the Big Ten – or just 75 alone. Like, are you moving because of that? Like, I don't know, you know? So. But that, that wouldn't make sense on the Big Ten's part, I don't think. I think everybody recognized how valuable Notre Dame could be to a conference and to a media rights deal. Right. I, well, no, the I Big Ten wants like to have to jack that price up a lot. I don't think yeah. it would be a 15 well, million true. disparity because the Big Ten knows that Notre Dame wouldn't move for that. Right. And we've seen that their, their access to the college football playoff hasn't necessarily been hampered altogether but it hasn't it hasn't at all no at the same they, they've time made it twice. they've gone i thought they only went once they've gone twice no, they've made it twice yeah because they oh. made it during the covid year too oh i don't even okay 
Yeah. I guess that I guess that technically counts, but that's like the Dodgers winning a World Series. They never won a World Series. Um or they have, but they never won that World Series. Um anyway, there's a little uh a different sport for you. But I don't know. This this Notre Dame Big Ten thing is gonna be very interesting. I just yeah. see that that escalator clause and that jumps off the page yeah. because the second there's two to three billion dollars on the table and these these people have an opportunity to trigger that, it, it doesn't matter. They're they're gonna add these teams, they're gonna trigger that clause. And I mean the teams on their list, on their short list it looks like are primarily teams that would impact ASU's future. Yeah. yeah. So well and Oregon and Washington are gonna if they get if they get that offer, they are jumping so quickly. Stanford, I, it's tough to read Stanford because they're just such a weird school. Cal would do it because Cal doesn't well, have any money. Um, Stanford's like, rival is Notre Dame. They have that weird one, yeah, that's true. They have that and that's, weird well, But that's one of the reasons that uh, Notre Dame wants to stay independent is because they can do all these weird rivalry games. Um, but, again, maybe Stanford-Notre Dame becomes a Big Ten game at some point. That's so what I'm who saying knows? Is, is yeah. maybe that's ultimately what ends up happening. If you look at the teams on this list, maybe they look and say, hey, let's go. Uh, we could do the Stanford-Notre Dame, make that like an official rivalry, not some – like I, yeah. I have no idea why those teams are rivals. But, um, who knows? Yeah. Old, old school stuff. That's what I'm saying, like 1940 stuff or something. Yeah. But um, make those teams like – official in-conference rivals, maybe that's something that sways. Like Stanford's value in this um, in this respect, in this whole sort of scenario, is directly tied to Notre Dame, I think. Yeah. To almost, to yeah. almost like really prop that rivalry up and get uh, obviously Oregon and Washington kind of stand alone um, in terms of like the class of the Pac-12 now. I guess Utah too, but yeah. uh, I don't know. Utah don't now. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, kind of establish themselves there now, and they don't seem to be going anywhere. But I don't, this, the the clause for me, this escalator clause, all in my mind, I could be way off here, but just based on the trends of college football, this basically guarantees, in my mind, that the Big Ten is going to add more teams, which yeah. puts ASU's future in the Pac-12 very much in doubt. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Time, bringing it back to ASU, like. We've mentioned it before, but you know, um, Michael Crow and Ray Anderson, I know that they want to keep the Pac-12 alive based on what they've said publicly and what's been reported. But if if they get a little whiff of Oregon or Washington leaving, you have to call the Big 12 immediately and be like, hey, we're going to the Big 12, you know. <laughs> so uh, I think with like – what? Who's the Big 12 commissioner? Uh, this guy Brett Yormark he used to work for Rock Nation. Actually, they they All just right, well, Michael Crow. Michael Crow needs to shoot Brett the U up text. He should. He definitely should. I think I think uh, it's been Yormark sending the U up text mostly first this past uh, this summer, but yeah, a lot can still happen. And I, I, from an ASU perspective, I'm glad that we at least have a uh, lifeboat to jump onto. Um, I'd rather it be the Big Ten lifeboat, but if it's the Big 12 lifeboat, then it's better than being in the Mountain West. So uh, we'll see where that goes. And Cal was one of the teams mentioned. I've said it before on this show. 
if Cal gets into the Big Ten and ASU doesn't, I'm going to be very pissed. But who knows if that will even happen. Anyway, now to the fun of the show and the fun of college football. Colton and I are going to go through the ASU schedule and pick games as a season preview. Are you excited, my friend? Uh, yeah, we'll see how much I truly know. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to keep up with all this turnover, especially this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, looking at USC and things like that. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. Do they, yeah, go, for no, sure. they don't go, they don't go to Corvallis. So there's, they there's, don't, there's they one. They don't. Thank God. <laughs> we, the, the only good thing about the schedule this year. All right. Um, I have got the schedule pulled up from FBS schedules right here. Um, First thing that jumps out to me at this schedule is the first five games are a meat grinder, an absolute meat grinder, although there's also two very much should-be winnable games in that stretch. But the first five games, if they can come out of that, if they can somehow beat one of Oklahoma State, Utah, or USC and come out of that stretch three and two, that's going to be an enormous sign for this program. Absolutely. That, uh, let's see, how many of those are on the road? I know they go to Oklahoma. Two. Yeah. Okay. So two out of three on the road. Um, they get Utah at home, which, I mean, I'm thinking back to when's the last time they played Utah at home? I, I remember that. It would have been 2018. That, because that's the last time. And they, that was, yeah. The, I they would have, they would have hosted them in 2020, but. Yeah. Uh, I remember Eno going wild in that 2018 game and. That was a lot of fun. I mean, they they absolutely collapsed last year against Utah, but Utah's always a tough place to play. I've been to that stadium. It's extremely loud. Um, obviously, Utah looks great. Uh, I mean, not a ton of turnover. I mean, they lose. I feel like Britton Covey was one of their big spark plugs. That's basically it. Um, I, Devin not- Lloyd, they lost Devin Lloyd for some point. I forgot about him. Um, big, big blow to the defense. Um, I'm trying to think of who else there. I think that's it, honestly. Like, yeah, I feel like they didn't lose too many guys. That's so. one of the reasons they're so hyped entering this season. I mean, a lot of people are picking them to make the playoff. They got rising back. So. Yeah. I was about to call him Brewer, but Brewer is the guy that he beat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I almost mixed them up. But, yeah, Rising comes back. I don't know, man. Like, I remember watching Rising last year, and, like, Utah feels felt, rather. I don't know what they're going to look like this year. But last year they felt very much like a momentum team where, like, the second it was on their side, there was nothing you could really do. We saw that in the the game against (laughs) ASU. But, uh, I mean, even in, like, the Rose Bowl, the second – Kind of they lived and died by that momentum. They couldn't really, like, they didn't really see, I don't know. Like, once Ohio State stole that Rose Bowl game, Ohio State's a great team, obviously. But yeah. they just couldn't dig out of that hole. I mean, I, I don't know how it's how this I, – I like that this game is in Tempe because if this was in Salt Lake City, it would be an auto – like, I wouldn't even Zero think chance. about this. 
Yeah, but this this kind of feels like it could be an upset, depending – like, just looking at this schedule, obviously we haven't seen the products that ASU is going to put on the field just yet. Um, but, I mean, if they go 3-1 and one in their first four and split against two top 15 teams, I, I don't know. I feel like that Utah game could be winnable just considering the circumstances. Right. Um, that Oklahoma State game, I just looked up – I just out of curiosity, because I feel like ASU's strength this year, as it always seems to be, is going on offense at least, is going to be their rushing attack. Yeah. Uh, with Daniel Ngata and uh, Xavier Valde. And I looked up Oklahoma State's rushing defense last year, and they were third in the country in yeah. opponent rushing yards allowed. I don't know what their turnover looks like off the top of my head. They, um, I think they lost. So I know they, I think that, well, they lost their defensive coordinator, which is huge. Okay. That is big. Um, that is and they big. lost, I know that one of the linebackers was named Malcolm Rod- Rodriguez. Yeah. Star of Hard Knocks, him and Chase Lucas. Oh, <laughs> he's on Hard Knocks? Rodrigo, yeah. Oh, okay. they, they don't even call him by his name. They just call him Rodrigo. And he's like herring up lines. Kneecaps. He's a kneecap yeah. bite. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll uh, they'll regress a little bit in terms of rushing defense. Um, but that game that game is it's gonna be tough. It's, it's gonna it, be tough. Yeah, that will be a really tough game. Um, I mean, even if they regress, they were top three. Even if they regress to like exactly top yeah. twenty, I mean, what that's gonna that is not gonna bode well for ASU. Um, I think that's a loss. But I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say. They beat Utah. Okay. So well, I um, yeah. So I, I want to do game by game in, in a moment here, but yeah, I kind of uh, went you, out of order. That's my bad. No, it's it's fine. But you were mentioning the concept of games that they just have no chance of winning, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, I see two games on here that ASU just has like if if you put it like I just don't see them winning. And honestly, when I I don't have good logical reasons for this. But the, I, the the only two games I think that they have no like that ASU just isn't going to win is actually the, at home against Utah because I think Utah is just going to be really really good this year and like mm-hmm. I I just don't think that ASU is going to be able to beat them I think they might be able to play like a closer game than people think yeah but I just don't think they're going to win and then the other happens Saturday November twelfth at Wazoo. That is, just, that was the one I was looking at. That yeah. is just yeah. I, I don't I even don't, care if Wazoo comes into that game. game. <laughs> I don't know what the record would be. Let's just say they're like three and four or something entering the game. I don't care what Wazoo's record is. ASU is going to lose that game. Wait, it, three and four? They'll have eight. They'll have. Well, nine, I don't know what Wazoo's schedule is. I don't know how many. Oh. I don't know if Wazoo comes in as just a. Whoop. Uh, that's weird. I don't know why that's there. Yeah, I don't uh, think it matters what they're exactly. That's my point, and and also the fact that it's being played November twelfth in Pullman. I mean, that is going to be an ugly ass game. The weather's going to be terrible. Yeah, it's it's a pain in the ass for any of these teams to get to Pullman. I think for ASU they have to fly into Spokane, and from there it's like a two hour drive through like small roads down to. Pullman, it's very out of the way even for Eastern Washington standards. So right. those and are I the two look, games I look at, and, and I just think there's no chance ASU wins. What? Yeah, look at this schedule too. I mean, if you look at, you've got 
The first game in Tempe. Second game in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Third game, Tempe. Fourth game, Tempe. Fifth game, L.A. Right. Go back to Tempe. Go to Palo Alto. And then you've got Boulder. Boulder is like their first cold weather game of the entire And Colorado season. sucks. Like Colorado is going to be the worst team in the Pac-12 this That's year. That's what I'm saying. So they'll they'll go, what is that, six, seven, eight, nine. Out of their first nine games before they play Wazoo, they'll have yeah. one cold weather game. And, and it may not even be like that cold. Uh, it'll it'll probably be cold. It's late October in Boulder. Yeah, that's it'll true. Probably it'll probably be, be chilly at least. But, but I mean, going to play a team like Wazoo, it really does not matter where right. they're at in terms of record, how they look. ASU going to Pullman that late in the year, having only played one cold weather game for a team right. in Tempe. Right. I, I don't think there's any shot they beat Wazoo. But. And it's the same way that. Uh, teams coming to Tempe from northern climates often struggle. You yeah. know, that's ASU's advantage. But, um, yeah, so, it, well, and the other thing with Wazoo is they have, uh, they brought in this, uh, the guy Cameron Ward from the FCS who has been getting a lot of hype this offseason and he tore it up last year at, at Incarnate Word. So that's, those two for me stick out as games that ASU just has no chance of winning. What about you? You mentioned uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah, I don't think there's any shot they beat Oklahoma State. That's my – the way that you view Utah, that's kind of how I view okay. Oklahoma State. Um, I mean, we've seen it in the Pac-12. These conference games are kind of wild. No, that's true. That's true. That's why I'm kind of like – I mean, the last time Utah came here, it was that – the Utah was pretty – I think they were like 15th or 16th in the country then, yeah. too. Um, I, I, I do not remember that game, but – I that was such a fun game, but they just in Wyoming at the time. So. Oh yeah, that's that's a brutal season of life. But uh, yeah. they they just stuck it to Utah, really. And I I mean, obviously those are two different teams, and there's five years, four four or five years between those two games. Um, it just has the feeling of like you come out, you're going to be ready for your first conference game. It's going to be the same thing for Utah, but. Yeah, Utah's biggest strength in my eyes last year was just riding the momentum, you know, and they're not going to get that. I don't think it. For, I yeah. mean, Sun Devil Stadium is going to be like at seventy percent capacity because that's what I mean. That's as high as uh, it, I, I feel like for the Utah game, it'll be higher than that. But yeah, I, I hope so. Uh, because if they can, I you said it'll be a close game, and I agree with you. It could um, be. Could be a close. Or, yeah, game. It, it has the makings of a game that could be close. Uh, and like, I mean, it, it'll depend on what we see. Like, I mean, they could obviously. I think they're going to be one and one after their first two games if they come out and just like steamroll Eastern Michigan, which I mean, hopefully they do. Um, then who knows? They could be ready for Utah. They could show up for that. Um, but then I think. I think USC might be, especially if they if they come in and they beat Utah, they're going to be – ASU has – is so good at letdowns after huge oh, wins. Oh, yeah. Um, so Definitely. I think that Utah game – I think they might win that Utah game. I have a feeling they might win that Utah game. I might, I might look at uh, underdog spreads. I think at the very least they'll cover – they'll probably be like seven-and-a-half-point dogs or something like that. Right. Um, I think they could cover that. Maybe even win outright. 
this is a little gambling preview for you. I know we save that till next <laughs> week, but uh, if I'm looking at games that I don't think they have any shot of winning, I think my my uh, my hope. Well, we already is, mentioned Wazoo. If, if yeah, yeah, that. we're in agreement on Wazoo, but my I think my difference ties uh, specifically into their performance in the Utah game. I think Utah is going to be a huge. I think Utah is going to be a very emotional game. And if they pull it out, I can almost guarantee like a 17 to 24 point loss against USC. So that game, that game's probably going to be my, my, I don't think they have any shot. So you, so, so the games you don't think they have any shot, the games you don't think they have any shot are Oklahoma State, USC, and Wazoo. Yeah, I think those are my three where I'm like, I just don't see it. But I want to, I want to clarify, click uh, a quick disclaimer. My no shot pick for USC um, is almost it's dependent. Yeah, is almost contingent upon that Utah game because I think they're really going to show up for that Utah game. Yeah. Okay, so, I can see your logic with that. I can see your logic with that. All right. Um, now that I just got rid of the screen sharing, let's get back to it. All right. So we have week one, two weeks from today, Thursday, September first, against. In-state rival, Northern Arizona. Um, I don't think ASU's going to lose this game. Um, although team Power 5 teams from Arizona have lost to NAU before. Uh, looking at you, Arizona. Because they lost to him last year, which yeah. is always funny to me. Um, but the only thing I'm looking for in this game is for ASU to blow them out. And when I mean blow them out, I don't mean... Be up, you know, uh, 21 to 13 at halftime and go on to win, uh, 35 16. I mean, be up, you know, 28 to 7 at half and win 42 to 14. Like, don't even have, don't, I don't want to be stressed out at halftime at this game, you know? I just want, yeah, I just want them to blow them out from the beginning and win. Yeah. So that's my expectation for that game. Yeah, I think sorry. Because we've seen this with ASU before where they 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 toy around with the team. They did it last year kind well, of. I agree. They did it the last time they played NAU too. I remember covering that game. Oh, I think really? it was ten to three at half. Um, yeah, I don't want to see that. I do not no. want to see that. I don't think I don't think you'll see it from this team. I think the theme of all of our conversations to this point has centered around uh largely centered around the the um, experience of this team. And I think that's going to lead to poise. I hope that we'll see a team that comes out, they're ready to take care of business, Um, you know, just get their feet wet a little bit, work out the kinks. It's kind of a preseason game. I mean, college football has that that zero week and that week one where teams are playing cupcakes or whatever. Um, So the biggest thing you want to see in that game is just what did Giannis say? You don't want to play with your food. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, think, I think that's the mentality. Just come yes. out, take care of business. Uh, even if it's not put away by half, even if there's a few mistakes, even if it's like 17 3 and you're like, okay, we're probably going to be fine. Um, I think 17 3 uh, at half, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fine with that. I think it ends. I, like I want to see more than set. Let me put it this way. They better have at least 20 points on the board at halftime. Not I don't 17. Like, no, not 17. I don't care. Uh, I don't man. care. All right. Hey, 
it, it's it's uh that that's how Mark likes it. So respect, but uh yeah, I think it's gonna be week one. It's a new a new quarterback, a, right. a new offensive scheme, obviously. Yeah. Um, I call him Zach Taylor, but I think that Zach Hill, Zach Hill, that's his name. He's gone. Yeah. There we go. Um, I do that every week. I call him I, Zach. No, Hill. it's 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 an easy mistake to make. I guess. I Zach Hill's gone. They're going to be adjusting to a new quarterback, a new scheme. Uh, things could be rusty to start, you know, but right. I, I don't think it, it's going to result in anything that's that's going to scare anybody down the, the street. Right. No, I don't think so either. All right, on to week two, Saturday, September 10th at number 12, Oklahoma State. Uh, this game's scheduled for 4.30 on ESPN2, so it should be a fun game. Colton, you don't think they can win this game? I am not picking them. I do. I would. I'm not picking them to win this game. I do think they have a chance to win, mostly because I. I don't think Oklahoma State's going to be as good as they were last year. Because for those who aren't Oklahoma State fans, they Oklahoma State went 11-1 in the regular season, lost the Big 12 championship game to Baylor, and then beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. So, an incredible season for Oklahoma State. Uh, they lose their defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, to Ohio State. They lose Malcolm Rodriguez, who we talked about, a few other defensive players off their very impressive defense from last year. So I, I think that ASU can win this game if, again, Oklahoma State's going to need to have a few turnovers. And, look, maybe Emory Jones just makes a few plays with his legs and all of a sudden ASU kind of grinds out a 26-24 defensive battle type win. Um, I don't think it's likely. I would not bet on ASU winning this game, but I think it is possible. Uh, that said, after this game, I have ASU at one and one. I, I'm with you on that. I don't think they pull this game out. Like we talked about, a Oklahoma State's defense last year gave up the third fewest rushing yards in the country. Obviously, we talked about the turnover. How far are they going to fall from what they were last year? Right. Um, I don't know. I just know that was kind of their bread and butter. All we have to really go off of is last year. Um, and I mean, I don't really follow Oklahoma State extensively. Yeah. Uh, but they've sort of set that, they set that precedent last year for being a, a very solid team against the run. That's ASU's strength or, uh, we're, we're predicting that's probably going to be ASU's strength is their ability to run the ball. And now with, with Emory Jones, a mobile guy as well, um, there could be multiple ways to implement that. I just don't see the matchup working in ASU's favor. I think ASU is, if they're down, they're going to have to throw a ton. And are they built yeah. for a shootout? I'm not entirely sure. So. Yep. Yeah, it, it's going to be a tough game. I hope it's exciting. And, you know, we'll just have to see. Um Next week, Saturday, September 17th, ASU gets back to Tempe and they host the Eastern Michigan Eagles. Uh, late night games. Two, or do you have them at one and two after this, Mark? No. <laughs> late night game starts at, uh, eight on Pac-12 Network. I have them winning this game. Um, I don't think this game, I am not, I do not put it in the same category as Northern Arizona. Like just win this game however you have to. Uh, it's a MAC team, so it's not like you're playing a Mountain West team, but you're still not an, an FCS team. It's kind of in the middle of the group of five lower tier there. 
And Eastern Michigan went to a bowl game last year. I think they were like seven and five. So they're not like a complete pushover, but you still need to win this game if you're ASU. They're not as talented as you. Um, again, they're still a MAC team and they're not like a MAC team that's going like 10 and two. They're just a kind of run of the mill MAC team. So right. you should win this game. It, it, I think it, I think it could be pretty ugly. Like I think there's a chance ASU wins this game like, 24 to 13 or something and it's just like you're being you're you're leaving the game wanting more but uh that's what i think is going to happen so i have been two and one after this yeah i i agree with you i think this is a spot where you might be able to get a pretty solid discount against the spread for asu obviously they'll be favored in this game i think my my impression for this oklahoma state game is i think it might be an offensive letdown on the part of asu and I think they'll be a little undervalued coming into Eastern mm. Michigan. So if we're talking yep. about this, I, if we're talking about this from a betting perspective, I have week number three circles. If it goes according to plan, based on what we're talking about, I think week number three against Eastern Michigan, um, if they're somewhere in the ten and a half to thirteen and a half point favorite category, um, I think that'll be a pretty solid discount coming off of a game against Oklahoma State, and I would take that. Even in your prediction, they they win that game by 11 points. If they're that's true. Out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and that's your definition of a letdown, right? Right. So if, if that's a 13-and-a-half-point spread, I think you're getting a pretty solid discount. I don't think there's any scenario where ASU loses this game. I talked about maybe being a little rusty for Northern Arizona, but this is a game where they're going to come out and take care of yeah. business. I don't, I don't have any doubt. Um, and like I said, this is going to be, I think, one of my favorite betting spots of their schedule. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So after that, uh, the temperature gets risen quite a bit because on Saturday, September 24th, they host number seven, Utah. Uh, TV is time for TV is a TV, that yeah, TBA. So we both have them losing this game. Um, no, I have them winning this one. I oh, okay. So out. you're picking them, you, you're picking them to win. Yeah, I think okay. based on, I think they're going to pull this one out. I, that's okay. just my inkling. I think we both think it could be a close game, and I think in that scenario, they they pull this off somehow. They've been known to do that. They're not. Yeah, no. They, yeah. ASU isn't a school that can't show up and knock off a a top ten team. They did it against right. against Washington and Tempe. What was that three or four years ago? Oh, Oregon. Um, Oregon. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk and. Uh, Jaden Daniels going nuts in that game. Yeah. Uh, I think they're, they're no stranger to being able to pull something like this off. Um, I think they do it here. I think they beat Utah. Utah had their, their magical run last year. Um, like I said, my, 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 my feeling with Utah is a, a very, a team that's very influenced by momentum. Um, they might, I don't think they can come back in this scenario. If they go down against ASU in Tempe, I, I, I mean, it would be a very ASU thing to blow something like that, and they already did last year, but that was in at Rice-Eccles, right? Right. Um, so I think that that home field advantage does play a bit of a role here. Um, I'm going Utah – or I'm going ASU to beat Utah. I think I'm going to lean that way. All right. So you th- through four games, you have them at three and one. Yes. And I have them at two and two. Okay. Uh, next week, week five, this is the, kind of the end of the early season meat grinder. Uh, they are at number 14 USC. Um, I think this is a loss. 
and I think you think it's a loss too. Yeah. I, I do want it. to I do think there is a a script that could happen for ASU to win this game, which is why I don't have this game in the one hundred percent they're gonna lose category. I think it's likely that ASU loses and I'm picking them to lose. But I could the, the way the way I could see them winning is if USC's run defense is just super bad and maybe ASU gets a few turnover somehow because USC's airing it out, and all of a sudden, you know, Ngata rushes for 100 yards and Valde rushes for 120, and all of a sudden ASU goes into the Coliseum and wins. I don't think it's going to happen like that. Uh, so, yeah, I have ASU starting out two and three. And w- w- what are your thoughts on the USC game? Yeah, I kind of walked through. Utah is, like, for better or worse, the hill that I'm kind of going to die on. Okay. In, this, yeah. in this segment, I really do think their best shot at an upset is going to be Utah, especially in this stretch. I think they could do it. I already went in on that. But a um, sort of a trademark of ASU as a program is really high highs, almost immediately followed by very low lows. Yeah. Um, so... I, I think this Utah game is going to be a high. I think there's going to be a lot of talk, especially on Arizona Sports Talk Radio, um, which is world-renowned for their incredible and well-thought-out takes. We'll be talking <laughs> about ASU as a team that might be able to win the Pac-12, and then they're going to go to USC and lose something like 38-14. to 14. Um, yeah. that, that just feels like a very – it does, um, yeah. It, that that does feel very ASU for that to happen. That feels very ASU. So that's that's my prediction. I think they're going to be uh, three and what is that? Three and two. Yeah, maybe three and USC two. Game. And I have them at two and three. Uh, okay, and heading into the next week, Saturday, October eighth, uh, the Devils are back in Tempe to host the Washington Huskies. The teams played a very weird game last year up in Seattle. Um, and I think it's going to be another type of those games, but I have ASU winning this game. I think that, one, Washington, I grew up a Washington fan. I still kind of root for the Huskies a little bit. They do not play well in Tempe. They just don't. And I think ASU at one point had a like a 10-game winning streak against Washington. It, it was up until the year that Washington made the playoff, ASU went to Seattle and got absolutely blown out. And then that's how Washington ended that streak. But it's just it's a tough place to play for Washington. Washington's still figuring out their quarterback competition. They have a new coach, Kalen DeBoer, who I wanted at ASU. Um, so we'll see how that that hire looks long term. But I have ASU winning this game. I, in you know, in, in my picking them, they've lost to Oklahoma State, Utah, and USC already. So they're going to be very you know determined to get a win and. I think they get back to 500 here, and I think they beat the Huskies. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they win this game, too. It is The last game Washington played in Tempe, is that the game where ASU upset them when they were, I think, four or five in the country? Um, Was that that game? I'm trying to remember if they It might be. Because the, of COVID. The issue with I'm sure this they come back. But. Yeah, the issue with this is that you have the COVID season thrown in there, and they didn't play them that year. And then you also have the fact that you're rotating teams from the north. For example, ASU doesn't play Oregon or Cal this year. So mm-hmm. you might be right that this that's the last time they played in Tempe, but 
We, you know, I'm not going to look it up because that's going to take. Yeah, long, no, it's but, fine. Yeah. I, off the top of my head, I'm going to go with that until I'm proven yeah. otherwise. Um, but uh, you said very weird games between these teams, and I couldn't agree more. I think every time I've watched Washington play ASU, it's such a strange game. Yeah. Um, and last year's game in uh, in Seattle yeah. was was uh, very indicative of that. Just yeah. par for the course between these two te- uh, these two teams. I think they bounced back in, in my sort of uh, on my schedule after that loss to USC. I think they're going to come back and beat Washington at home, go into the bye week on kind of a high note. I have them at four and two going into the bye week. I think with a win against a top 10 team, I think they'll, they'll be feeling pretty good on yeah. October 15th when they don't have to go play. Yeah. Yep. So they have a uh, bye week, October 15th, which perfect time in the season to have a bye week. Yeah. Literally in the middle of the year. year. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, you get you have a lot more of conference schedule, but you've played the you've played the toughest teams that you're going to play in the conference already, uh, save for UCLA, I guess. Yeah. No, uh, this this second half is like. Yeah. No, this yeah. is this second half. This is where they make their. This is where they make their their money. So, as we get into the second half on Saturday, October twenty second. They go up to the Bay Area and play Stanford. I have them winning this game. I saw ASU and Stanford play live last year, and ASU killed them. They ran the ball at will, and it was even one of those games where like ASU didn't even score an offensive touchdown in the second half, which, of course, but and they still won the game comfortably. So I think ASU wins this game. Uh, that would, for me, put them at... Uh, four that would three, be right? that, uh, the, 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 uh, four and three. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking at this schedule and I'm, I'm kind of going back to my predictions for the first six. And if this team is four and two going into this stretch, I don't think nine and three is off the table. That's a very big, if. Oh, man. obviously, obviously my Utah pick, um, is is very I I don't know it, it, that could be so wrong they could get yeah. absolutely steamrolled by Utah uh, but I think if they do beat Utah they do pull that upset at home this whole season could look very different than everybody expected and much more um, there would be a much more optimistic outlook there would be a lot more excitement of course in, in <laughs> if they go nine and three yeah no but I'm saying even after that four and two stretch now right of course after yeah. that four and two stretch I mean like now that again that's a huge if obviously but yeah. if you go into that bye week at four and two you play a very beatable Stanford team a team you probably should be Colorado awful um yeah, we I have I have them. We can just skip to the Colorado game yeah. Saturday. Yeah, I have them beating 29. Stanford. They're five and two. Okay, so I I have them at four and three. You have them at five and two entering Colorado. I assume we both have them winning that game. Yeah, Colorado. I mean, Colorado's been hurt by the transfer portal just as much as ASU, and they've had less off the field drama. They're just looking, and they were bad for, last year. Yeah, like. Oh man, I'm you don't even have. You can be a negative, like pessimistic ASU fan and still probably think they win this game at Colorado. Yeah. So that would put them for that would put them at five and three for me, and you would have them at that would that would put them at six and two for you. Six and two for me. I think 
Oh man, there's there's no way they lose to Colorado. I'm like, no. this is it's a road game, back to back road games. Got to go to cold weather, but Colorado is just that bad. Well, and Colorado, it's it's October 29th. It it, it may. It may just be kind of like 50 degrees type weather and not like super cold weather there. So yeah, but, we'll see. Yeah, but still like the back to back. I mean, you got to go from Stanford yeah. or from like Palo Alto, Northern California to Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, you do, you do have the bye week to kind of prepare for that back to back, but, um, there's no way they lose to Colorado. Yeah. I'm right. going six and two after the Colorado game. All right. Well, don't think, don't think I forgot about my running theme of ASU disappointment because it is very much coming. Well, yeah. So Saturday, November fifth, ASU gets back to Tempe, hosts the UCLA Bruins, and I think they lose this game. I think you, I think UCLA, I think they're going to be pretty good this year, um, and I just think that. I just think that ASU isn't going to be – I mean, look, ASU, people are picking them to finish 10th in the conference. So uh, I just don't think they can – I just don't think they'll be able to score with UCLA. So I have them losing this game, falling to five. You don't think they'll be able to, like, score points against UCLA, or you don't think they'll be able to keep up? Keep up. Like, okay. That's, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I completely kind of, agree. I think it's a shootout that they come out on the wrong side of. Yeah. Great yeah. game for an over, but yeah, definitely. So five and four for me, six and three for you. Yeah. Okay. We have our we have our auto L right here. Yeah. So and, and I, I like like you said, it's a shootout. I do think ASU could win this UCLA game. Like it is not like insane to think that, but I just don't think they will. Yeah. And I think yeah, up. I think I don't think it's going to be any sort of like seventeen to ten point loss. I think no. maybe. It's a four-point game. ASU has to get to the end zone, and they fall short on, like, fourth right. down. I think it's that kind of game. One of those, yeah. Um, but I don't think they, they beat UCLA. I think they're at six and three. Six and three. So five and four for me. Um, and then as – on this one, I don't know how much we have to talk about this one. It's kind of just a cursed game. What? This Washington. At Wazoo? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. So Saturday, November twelfth, we talked about this earlier. We're gonna, we're not gonna go over it, but we both have them losing this game for litany of reasons. Um, I don't even know if Wazoo is gonna be like that good of a team, but I just think it's just written in the stars that ASU is going to lose this game on the Palouse. So for me, that puts them at five and five. Colton, you have that would put them at six, six and four. four. Okay, this is a big, huge game the week after that. Saturday, November nineteenth, hosting. The Oregon State Beavers. In years past, you see Oregon State on the schedule in Tempe, and you're chalking that up as a win. Uh, I remember, I think um, Eno Benjamin had the like 230 yard rushing game against Oregon State. I want to say in 2019. Um, but this is a much better Oregon State team, as we saw last year in Corvallis when they beat us. Um, this is the most. I, I kind of had a. Uh, coin flip between Washington and Oregon State and who was going to win, uh, as in, like, which ASU home game of those ASU was going to win. And I think they win Washington, and I think they lose to Oregon State. I think Oregon State, great offensive line, good running game. Jonathan Smith is a good coach. And I think it's going to be kind of a clash of similar styles, but I just think Oregon State's going to come out on top. 
And for me, that drops to five and six. Yeah, I'm with you on this. Like I said, that, that run of disappointment was, was bound mm-hmm. to hit sooner or later. I think they dropped their third straight. Um, I think you, this is your third straight loss too, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, I think they dropped their third straight on this one. Um, yeah, I think Oregon State is a team obviously moving in a completely different direction from ASU. You said it. Right. Uh, usually you look at the schedule, you see Oregon State, if it's not in Corvallis and you think, yeah, no, that's, that's going to be, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Chalk right. that up as a W. Um, now though, the, the running back depth, you've got, um, a quarterback who can really sling the ball downfield. Um, like you said, the strong offensive line. Um, I don't know. I think they're, this is, these are two teams moving in the opposite directions and this game is going to be indicative of that. I don't think they win this game. I think they're six and five. Yep, I have them dropping below 500. And then the Territorial Cup, Friday, November 25th, I believe at 3 o'clock uh, at uh, at noon. Oh, jeez. It'll be at 1 p.m. Mountain Time by this time of year because by this time of year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So it says 3 p.m. Eastern on the site. It'll be at 1 p.m. At Tucson Territorial Cup on FS1, I think ASU wins this game. I think, I think ASU gets to six and six. I don't think that Arizona, like, I just don't think that Arizona is going to be, like, they're going to be better than they were last year. But I think they're going to be better in terms of being like a four and eight type team instead of being like a six and six, seven and five type team. Yeah, and so. I, I I know that Arizona's had a good recruiting class, and the programs are moving in opposite directions. I, I'm admitting that. Like, the 2023 Territorial Cup, unless things significantly change, I think the Wildcats have a great chance to win that game. And, I mean, they obviously have a chance to win this year's version of the game, too. I just think that ASU has a much bigger advantages on the line of scrimmage. I don't think the quarterback is as big of an advantage as U of A people would like to think, because Emory Jones offers different things that uh, Jade Delora does. Um, and, you know, uh, U of A brought in a very good recruiting class, but you can't just have one good recruiting class and paper over all the issues you had last year when you were. They went 1 and 11, and the only game that they won was beating Cal after the local health restrictions in the Bay Area like made it so half their team couldn't play. So you can thank the Berkeley Health Department for your win. And I'm only kind of half joking. But I feel like accurate. (laughs) I mean, yeah, like they were they were they were very close to going 0-12 last year and they lost to freaking NIU. And Arizona's schedule, we talked about this in a previous show, but they they play San Diego State on the road, host Mississippi State and host North Dakota State. Like that's a tough freaking early conference schedule. Yeah, that's uh, easily. I mean, that's out of easily, conference schedule. Yeah, you could easily go zero and three in non-conference. And easily, lose to I, don't, an I don't think they will, but they could. Yeah, I mean, the fact that that could be a possibility in your non-conference yeah. slate is even kind of brutal. Yeah. Now, granted, um, they scheduled a much harder out of conference schedule than we did, but whatever. Yeah. I don't. Uh, um, so, I have ASU finishing the regular season six and six. Probably going to be some ugly wins in there. But that's that's how I have it finishing. What about you? Yeah, I think 
you kind of alluded to it. I think this is going to be a year where the Territorial Cup is actually a game worth watching. It hasn't been for, what, four years? Is that what our streak is at now? Last year, I was at that game pretty boring. The year before, well, it was kind of worth watching. The year before, I was at 77-7. I would say three years. I would say three, because the four... Four years ago was the game where ASU had to come back in the fourth quarter and the U of A kicker missed, like, a long kick to win it um, at the very end. Oh, okay. That was the first year of firm, I believe. So four so, out of the last five have well, been, yeah. like, just snooze fests. I think this right. is where we start to see the game get a little more competitive. I don't oh, think, that, sure. means, I don't think sure. that means ASU loses. I have them at seven and five after this game. Okay. Um, and that that's kind of how I see this schedule shaking out. Yeah. And as as far as how, you know, this affects Herm's job status, I have no idea. Like, normally if if, if he went 6-6, six and six, this probably wouldn't be good, uh, especially considering in both of our, uh, you know, playing through this, we, they have a late three-game losing streak in mm-hmm. November. But we don't control that, and it – it, in terms of like common sense, like what should they do? Yeah, he probably should be fired after this year if they have the seasons we predict. But who the frick knows, you know? So yeah, uh, I I, mm, I don't know, man. Like I feel like <laughs> it's it's very similar to what happened in Todd Graham's last year. Yes, I remember. I remember so much energy around the territorial cup being focused on like. If Todd Graham does this, we we owe it to him to give him one more year. If he beats U of A in the Territorial Cup, he's earned it. And it's like, one, we need to stop putting so much stock in this game until it's yes. something that is worth watching again. I think yes. we'll get closer to that this year. Um, yeah, I don't I don't want ASU to be, you know, heading into the Territorial Cup three and eight, and they win and they get to four and eight, and it's like, oh, but. We won the territorial yeah, cup. It's like, yeah, that's what so many fans are hyper focused on. This is so many fans like yeah. Rose Bowl. <laughs> this territorial cup, and it, it's insane. But I, I see if the season shakes out the way that we have kind of predicted it might right. with that late losing streak. It, it was very similar in Todd Graham's last year. I don't remember what the record was. It was seven and five, seven and five. Right, but I'm talking like. I, I want to say there was some sort of streak coming into that Territorial Cup game where a lot of the talk was almost like, yeah, he's got to go. Like, this is it. Right. But yeah. there, was, there was a small contingent of people who were also like, let's see what he's got in this game. Let's see what he does when his back, his yeah. back is against the wall. And it's just – it's corny. I like, I don't know how else to put it. This whole, I think, like, can yeah. we rise up and beat Arizona? Like, rise up to what? <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. I, I, I think I think that our main point on the ter- no decision should be made based on what happens in the territorial cup. No, the decision to- the decision needs to be made after Oregon State. Yes, yes. And then I, you you do Herm a favor and you wait to announce it until after the season. That's right. how it needs to be handled. Right. Yep. All right. Well, I agree with that, and uh, we both have ASU. Uh, you know, having a bowl season. So, doing better than some people would expect, but also still not totally shutting them up either. So, uh, that'll wrap up this episode. Uh, tune in next week.
when our friend and Bet Rivers employee, I don't forget what his actual are title is. To, are we allowed to say that? Do you think he'll get in trouble? What? If we say that he works for Bet Rivers? Yeah. No, I don't think, think so. Bet Rivers will send us a cease and desist and censor the episode? I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, Bet Rivers employee Connor Pelton will come on, give us some of his spicing gambling tips. So, uh, tune in for next week and thank you for listening and go Devils. Later, guys.